Welcome to Rapidly Rotating Records, an hour of toe-tapping music from Rapidly Rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s with yours truly, Glenn Robison, on Island Radio, KISL Avalon, at 88.7 on your FM dial, and anywhere on the planet at KISLAvalon.com on your internet dial. We've got dance bands, hot bands, sweet bands, show tunes, novelty tunes, blues, jazz, and more on everything from Aeolian to Xenophone and by everyone from Aronson to Zerky. On this week's show, E.T. Paul, Freddie Keppard, and Anson Weeks all get birthday segments. And we'll also do some juggling and play some football. But first, for those listeners not within KISL's broadcast area, or for whom listening to KISLAvalon.com at 6 p.m. Pacific is in the middle of the night where they are, Rapidly Rotating Records is available on our website, but also on some other broadcast stations. And I want to welcome the listeners of Radio Twenta Gold to the show. Radio Twenta Gold is a non-commercial station in the Netherlands, broadcasting at 1467 kilohertz on the AM dial. The station plays vintage music primarily from the 1930s to the 50s, 24 hours a day, and is also available streaming online. Rapidly Rotating Records is heard on the station locally in the Netherlands Sunday afternoons at 1, with a repeat on the following Saturday. The station is run by Michiel van Uyen, and the website is twentegold.nl. T-W-E-N-T-E gold.nl. And they're also on Facebook at Radio Twenta Gold, all one word. So a big thank you to Michiel and all the listeners of Radio Twenta Gold. I hope you enjoy the show, and I look forward to hearing from you with your requests, topic suggestions, and comments. Last week, February 16th, marked the birth in 1858 in Gerardstown, Virginia, now West Virginia, of Edward Taylor Paul, P-A-U-L-L, eldest of three children born to Henry W. Paul, and Margaret C. Thornburg. Little is known about his early life, but in 1877 he was general manager of the J.S. Carroll Music Store, selling pianos and organs. In 1880 he was in business for himself as a traveling agent for the Esty Organ Company. When that business failed in 1886, he moved to Virginia, where on November 9, 1887, he married Gertrude A. Kern, with daughter Edna born the following year. About this time, he began composing and in 1890 partnered with John G. Corey to form the Richmond Music Company, again selling pianos and organs. In 1894, using the name E.T. Paul, he wrote his first descriptive piece, Chariot Race, or Ben-Hur March, inspired by General Lew Wallace's 1880 novel, Ben-Hur. Knowing that covers sell books, Paul printed the piece on heavy paper with a bright five-color lithographed cover depicting the race and released it through Richmond Music. It was an immediate success, and other pieces quickly followed. The covers were created by the A. Hain Company, which produced National Geographic maps, posters, cigar boxes, and baseball cards. On January 11, 1896, the E.T. Paul Music Company was chartered in Richmond, Virginia, to buy, publish, and sell sheet music, books, and musical instruments of all kinds. But in April, Paul moved to New York City, where he remained for the rest of his life. 
Over the next 25 years, he wrote marches, galops, waltzes, and novelties inspired by disasters, wars, ancient Rome, patriotism, and current events, almost all with covers containing stunningly colorful and detailed graphics and elaborate lettering. In 1923, Paul suffered a severe attack of rheumatism and was away from his office, but returned about six weeks later and worked right up until his death on November 25, 1924, in Manhattan. He's buried at the Evergreen Cemetery in Brooklyn. There are dozens of his titles I'd like to list, but I'll keep it to The Witch's Whirl Waltzes, Pork Chops Are Good Enough For Me, A Signal From Mars, The Stranger's Story, or Why Do Our Loved Ones Leave Us, and these...
He became known as the other March King, but proving that E.T. Paul wrote more than military and patriotic marches, there you have silver sleigh bells. I wish that disc were in better shape, but that's the only recording I know of, at least on record, of silver sleigh bells. The Victor Orchestra was conducted by Walter B. Green on April 23, 1907, on Victor 5150. Before that, Conway's band with Battle of Gettysburg. Take two on July 2, 1917, was issued on Victor 18339. We started our little tribute to Edward Paul with Prince's Band and Napoleon's Last Charge, a musical description of the Battle of Waterloo. That's the first time on the show for that record, Columbia A1945, January 12, 1916. I'm Glenn Robison, and you and I are listening to Rapidly Rotating Records bringing you vintage music to which you can't not tap your toes from rapidly rotating 78 RPM records of the 1920s and 30s. He had his first and only birthday segment back in 2014, but I now have considerably more biographical information for you on Anson Bolton Weeks, born on Valentine's Day 1896 in Oakland, California, to Anson Bolton Weeks Sr. and Lillian Gertrude Northrup. He apparently came from a musical family. His father was director of the First Methodist Church Sunday School Choir in Oakland, and Ensign played piano there. By one account, Weeks formed his first four-piece band on the same day he enrolled in the University of California in 1915 and received a contract to play at the Hotel Sacramento. In 1916, the younger Weeks was working for Pacific Gas and Electric Company, but was already well-known to East Bay musical circles. He was in love with Ruth Daly, and in February, the two of them let their parents know that they intended to get married. Even though they were both 21, their parents were opposed to the idea, advising them to wait until they were older. In April, Ruth's parents left for a six-week visit to Yosemite, and on May 27th, Anson's parents left for a trip to Brookdale. An hour later, with the parents out of the way, the couple packed their bags, left their homes, and got married. In 1917, Weeks joined the Navy and for the next year and a half entertained troops. At the time of the 1920 census, Anson and Ruth were living in Sacramento, with Anson employed as a produce buyer, appearing with his band at the Hotel Sacramento on the side. In August of 1924, the Weeks band was at the opening of the nine-story, 400-room Hotel Senator across from the state capitol. From there, it was on to the Tahoe Tavern on Lake Tahoe, and in 1925, the band was atop Knob Hill in San Francisco for the opening of the Hotel Mark Hopkins. Week's first recording for Victor in 1925 went unissued, but he started recording for Columbia in 1928 and moved to Brunswick in 1932 and to Decca in the late 30s. The orchestra's first weekly radio broadcast was at 9 p.m. on November 13, 1926, from the Hotel Senator over KFBK, Sacramento. KFBK was owned by the Sacramento Bee newspaper and the Kimball Upson Company, a sporting goods store. In the 1930s, the orchestra could be heard almost nightly in broadcasts purporting to originate from the Peacock Court of the Mark Hopkins over KFRC and on other programs including the Lucky Strike Hit Parade, Eddie Cantor's Camel Show, Lady Esther Serenade, Florsheim Shoe Frolic, MJB Coffee Program, and the Chamberlain Lotion Show. 
1934, the band moved to New York, appearing at the St. Regis Hotel since 1948, home of the famous King Cole Bar. One of these days. In 1941, Weeks was appearing regularly at the College Inn in Chicago's Hotel Sherman, but reluctantly accepted a one-night stand in Des Moines, Iowa. On the way back to Chicago, the band's bus crashed into two trucks and a snowplow and skidded into a ditch. Weeks suffered a compound fracture of an arm when the bus ran over it. He was the only one seriously injured, and the rest of the band continued on to Chicago and played as usual, while their leader spent a week in a Marengo, Iowa hospital recuperating. Coincidentally, a few months later, Red Nichols' band bus was also involved in a head-on crash when its driver tried to pass a truck trailer on a highway in Ohio. Fortunately, no one was injured in that crash. In the 1950s, Weeks recorded a series of LP albums on the Fantasy label, and on May 23, 1967, a star-studded gala was held at the Garden Court of the Palace Hotel in San Francisco to celebrate 50 years of Dancing with Anson. He died from emphysema at Mercy General Hospital in Sacramento, California on February 7, 1969, and is buried in Mountain View Cemetery in Oakland. Here are three from Anson Weeks, but... One of these things is not like the others. Which one is different? Do you know? Can you tell which thing is not like the others? I'll tell you if it is so.
your love has faded to a memory that makes me sad and blue. When I'm alone, I find my thoughts are drifting always to you. So I'm writing you this little melody to make our dreams come true. Tell it by the sunshine in her smile. See those eyes, they're like the skies of Dixie. Hush my mouth if she ain't Swanee's favorite child. You can tell she's from the Southland. Nothing sweeter ever came from Caroline. Listen to that lazy drawl. You can tell she comes from Dixie. And I'm glad to tell you all she's mine. 
We started and ended our little tribute to Anson Weeks with Anson Weeks and his Hotel Mark Hopkins Orchestra. First was Teardrops, composed by Lou Davis, with an unidentified vocal trio. They tried it on June 19, 1929, but took a break after Take 4, and came back on the 22nd to get it down on Take 5, issued on Columbia 1894-D. We finished up with You Can Tell She Comes From Dixie, written by Marty Symes and Milton Ager. The vocalist there is identified as Frankie Saputo. DECA 1139-A was recorded January 26, 1927. In between, we heard the one of these three things that was different. I'm writing you this little melody. It's different because it was performed not by Anson Weeks, but by Jesse Stafford and his orchestra. So why play it in an Anson Weeks segment? Well, A, it was Anson Weeks' theme song, and B, it was written by Anson Weeks. The vocalist on that September 6, 1928 recording was Jane Jones, and the label of Brunswick 4070 points out that the Jesse Stafford Orchestra was formerly Herb Weedoff's orchestra. I'm Writing You This Little Melody was not Anson's only composition. He also wrote I'm Sorry Dear, Senorita, That Same Old Dream, and We'll Get a Bang Out of Life. Have a particular song or artist you'd like to hear on Rapidly Rotating Records? Well, you can send your requests and your comments about the show by email to glenn at rapidlyrotatingrecords.com or send cards or letters to Post Office Box 145, Claremont, California, 91711. That's glenn, G-L-E-N-N, at rapidlyrotatingrecords.com or Post Office Box 145, Claremont, California, 91711. Last week, February 15th, marked the birth in 1889 in New Orleans, Louisiana, of Frederick Keppard, K-E-P-P-A-R-D, to Louis Keppard, a cook, and Emily Peterson. His older brother, Louis, was also a professional musician, and Freddie played violin, mandolin, and accordion before taking up the cornet. He played with the Olympia Orchestra and Frankie Dusen's Eagle Band in New Orleans before joining Bill Johnson's band in Los Angeles. Johnson wanted to introduce the country to New Orleans-style music, so went on the Orpheum Theater Circuit out of San Francisco as the original Creole Orchestra. For a 1915 appearance at the Winter Garden Theater in New York in a show called Town Talk, they were billed as that Creole band. About 1917, Freddie settled in Chicago where he remained for life. There he worked with Jimmy Noon, Johnny Dodds, Erskine Tate, Doc Cook, Don Pasquale, and Lil Hardin Armstrong, and also recorded between 1923 and 1927. By this time, his health was deteriorating due to alcoholism and tuberculosis, but he was able to keep playing until 1932. Freddie Keppard died July 15, 1933 in Chicago and is buried at Blue Island. Here are three from Freddie Keppard. Thank you. 
stuff. I last played Brainstorm in 2020 by Jimmy Elkins and his Winter Garden Orchestra, an Australian band, but we just heard it by Doc Cook and his 14 Doctors of Syncopation. Freddie's presence on some records has been hotly debated, as on that one, but not on the ones preceding it. Before Brainstorm, we heard Freddie Keppard's Jazz Cardinals with one of their three sides, Stockyard Strut, written by Jasper Taylor from Paramount 12399-A, recorded in September of 1926. We started with Erskine Tate's Vendome Orchestra, June 23, 1923, with a Tate original, Cutie Blues, being heard on the show for the first time. I'm Glenn Robison, and the show is Rapidly Rotating Records. We're here each and every Sunday evening at 6 on Island Radio, FM 88.7, KISL Avalon, and KISLAvalon.com. This and all our previous shows are also available 24-7, on demand, anytime at all, online at RapidlyRotatingRecords.com. And we're on all the major podcast directories, and on Radio Twenta Gold. As you know, we welcome requests and topic suggestions, and listener Rich suggested juggling. Now I've seen people juggling balls, clubs, knives, and there's that great scene in W.C. Fields' The Old Fashioned Way with the great McGonagall juggling cigar boxes, but here's Ted Weems and his orchestra juggling a jigsaw. <laughs> Puzzle like you, and I go crazy juggling a jigsaw. Spending the evening awaiting your call. What else can I do, hon? I'm lonesome, that's all. My mind is hazy juggling a jigsaw. All those little pieces make a beautiful design, but I can't match up pieces of that broken heart of mine. Juggling a jigsaw whenever I move is my only pastime of thinking of you, and I go crazy. Juggling a jigsaw 
knows if the juggler's a big circus star. He'll juggle his hoops with a happy hoopla. Wonderful, marvelous things he can do with a hat, a cigar, or a long billiard cue. Clap hands for Joseph the juggler, juggling his hat and cigar. Up high, down low, over and over and round they go. Clap hands for Joseph the juggler. He started the art in Japan. The ladies cry whoops as he juggles his hoops. Oh, what a clever young man! In all matters of juggling, our Joseph is wise. See him throwing those cannonballs up to the skies. With hearts in their mouths, people sit in the stalls. When crash on his head, drop those big cannonballs. He looks so posh in his smart evening clothes. He can balance an eel on the end of his nose. Clap hands for Joseph the juggler, juggling his hat and cigar.
a delightful record is that? Tommy Blades, xylophone and vibraphone with Charlie Coons at the piano, with the eccentric novelette The Juggler, written by Gerhard Groich. That's on the Sterno label, a product of the British Homophone Company, number 1434, made sometime in 1934. Tommy Blades was a longtime drummer and xylophonist in Charlie Kuntz's Kasani Club Orchestra. Before that, another British band, that of Roy Fox, with vocalist Sid Buckman, telling us all about Joseph the Juggler. Buckman was primarily a trumpeter in the Fox band. Joseph the Juggler was written by Ralph Butler, Stanley Damarell, and Tolchard Evans. That's from DECA F-5880, made August 20th, 1935. We started that juggling set with Juggling a Jigsaw. That was Ted Weems and his orchestra with vocalist Red Ingle on March 3rd, 1933, from Victor 24265. Juggling a Jigsaw was written by Fred Allert and Edgar Leslie. Fun fact, the Guinness World Record for the most number of consecutive chainsaw juggling catches is held by Ian Stewart of Truro, Nova Scotia, Canada, with 105 achieved on September 6th, 2019. Where do you pick up these fascinating bits of useless trivia? Research, Jimmy. Dogged research. The Rapidly Rotating Records request line is now open. In addition to cards or letters, email or posts to our Facebook page or website, you can also now call to make requests for a particular song, artist, or segment topic, leave feedback about the show, ask questions or comment on the music, or just to say hi to let me know you're out there listening. The number is easy to remember. It's 1-234-PLAY-78s. That's 1-234-PLAY-78s. Or for the alphabetically challenged... 1-234-752-9787. It's available 24-7, but right before, during, and just after the Sunday night broadcast on KISL, I'll do my best to personally answer your call. That's 1-234-PLAY-78s. I know at least a couple of you out there share my sentiments about the Super Bowl. I couldn't care less. And with everyone calling it the big game, for fear of getting slapped with a trademark infringement suit by the NFL, if I never hear the phrase the big game again, it'll be too soon. I'll say it, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Hmm, I should create a board game called the big game and trademark the name The Big Game. Anyway, at least one listener was disappointed I didn't have a Super Bowl segment on last week's show, saying I should have played this record as part of it.
hears them calling you. She's up there cheering too. We know that you'll come through for your alma mater and your sweetheart. Ten yards to go, and victory is yours. Win romance for your lady fair. Now's your chance to show her that you care. Ten yards to go, win the game and the Joe Hames and his orchestra with the vocal by Parker Gibbs and members of the band on 10 Yards to Go. Dave Franklin wrote the words and music, and that's from Columbia 2956-D, September 15, 1934. I'm Glenn Robison, and I'm very pleased that you've chosen to spend this past hour with me listening to Rapidly Rotating Records. If you had even half as much fun as I did then I had at least twice as much fun as you. I hope you'll click in or tune in again next week, and as always, I thank you for your very kind attention.